Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. We are back, folks. It's time again for Land Sharks After Dark on Rebel Sports Radio and anywhere you get your podcast. I'm your host, Justin Sanders, joined, as always, by my co-host, John Stefanzik in Boston, Massachusetts. What's up, John? How are you this day, this uh, Monday evening? Nice and warm and in a good mood. We surpassed 70 degrees for the first time all year today and got up to 83, I believe, was the high today. It actually felt like it was a nice, warm day, and it was was able to wear shorts for the first time all year. I'm like a kid at Christmas, man. Yeah, I love that. I've been I've been wearing shorts down here for a couple months, so I'm I'm glad to uh, hear you can experience that that freedom that we love so much. Um, well, folks, uh, we're here again, uh, like every week on Rebel Sports Radio in the Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi studios. Um, you know, we want to remind you to follow Rebel Sports Radio on Twitter at Rebel Sport Radio, uh, Facebook facebookcom slash Radio. Uh, download the app. We got we got a new website, rebelsportsradio.com. Pretty cool, pretty slick. So even if you don't want to download the app, you can use that mobile interface, listen to your favorite shows. Um, before we get into it, we're going to talk baseball this week. We're going to talk about the NFL draft, talk Kentucky Derby, uh, big weekend in sports. Um, Mayweather Pacquiao had a little boxing match you might have heard about. Um, some other stuff going on that we'll get into later in the show. But before all that, let's uh, let's do something for our sponsors here, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's the fourth week of our spring cleaning promotion, and this week we're getting rid of hidden calories. So uh, when you clean out the refrigerator this spring, why don't you dump out the sodas, even the diet sodas, make the switch from sweetened tea to unsweetened tea. Green tea gets a lot of love, but black, white, and oolong teas, I'm not even sure what that is, that sounds exotic, are just as good for you. Many compounds in tea are linked to fighting cancer, heart disease, depression, and fatigue. Teas also are good for the brain and the waistline, improving concentration and memory levels while also fighting hunger and spiking calorie burn. So for more info, guys, on heavy on healthy living, healthy living articles and advice from Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi, visit bcbsms.com. Remember, it's good to be blue. Um, well, this week it was also good to be Ole Miss, at least in the midweek, when they uh, took on Mississippi State in the Governor's Cup. The 36th meeting, I believe, uh, in Jackson between State and Ole Miss for the Governor's Cup. Interestingly enough, um, after Ole Miss's win, the, t- the series is tied 18-18, to I believe. Um, but it was uh, Scott Weathersby's first career start. He's a senior, obviously done a lot for the Ole Miss program, and he's come a long way since he came to Ole Miss, um, by all accounts, as a pitcher. Uh, really kind of raised the question, why hasn't he been starting all year? He looked dominant against Mississippi State. Um, he threw over 100 pitches, I believe, uh, something like seven innings, maybe eight innings, actually. I was actually there uh, in peril at Trustmark Park. Um, pretty full when the game started. Uh, definitely more full than any other Governor's Cup I'd ever been to. Um, not sure what really uh, accounts for that. Um, Governor's Cup games and games in Jackson in general are usually mostly Mississippi State fans. Pretty... Um, Heavy concentration here in the metro area, and that was 
the case uh, in peril on Tuesday, but they didn't hang around too long. Ole Miss got up early. They got up big. Uh, final ended up being 11-1, to um, and it was a shutout until the 8th or ninth inning. Um, just a really all-around good performance, good hitting, good defense, good pitching from Weathersby. Um, but, you know, they weren't facing really very good pitching. Mississippi State turned to Ross Mitchell, and uh, Ole Miss you know, ran him out of the game pretty early. Uh, midweek pitching in general isn't great in the SEC. Weathersby is obviously uh, not a midweek guy, but it was kind of a dress rehearsal for that Sunday role, which it looks like he's going to be filling the rest of the season, however long that is. Um, we'll get into it after you talk about Missouri, but I want, I want to ask you, John, if you think maybe we waited a little bit too long in the season to move Weathersby into that starting role. But before we get there, let's do a little recap of baseball uh, in the SEC at Missouri this weekend. Um, kind of felt a little bit like a return to form in the first two games. Very little offense um, out of Ole Miss against really good pitching from Mizzou. Uh, had a shot in the first game on Friday night to uh, tie it up in the ninth, but just couldn't do it. Ended up losing that one 4-2. to two. Um, And then in the second game on Saturday, just completely got boat raced, destroyed by Mizzou. Uh, ended up 18-1, to one, I think. I don't even know what to say about that one. I think Mizzou hit five home runs in that game. Uh, they got on Brady Bramlett early, and just really, Ole Miss did not look good. Made some errors, made some mental errors. Pitching wasn't great, and the hitting was non-existent. Um, really set up a must-win game for Ole Miss on Sunday. Weathersby got his second start only five days after throwing all those pitches in Pearl, and he wasn't able to go too deep, but you know he did fine. Um, really, though, Ole Miss still couldn't hit even in that Sunday game that they did win 4-3. to three. Uh, But those four runs, two of them were Sykes Orvis solo home runs. Uh, one was a bases-loaded hit-by-pitch RBI for Connor Cloyd. And then one was uh, either two-on or bases-loaded um, sacrifice. or Sorry, what's it called? Suicide squeeze, excuse me, uh, laid down by J.B. Woodman. So really not very encouraging from the hitting perspective, although Mizzou is one of the best pitching staffs in the SEC. That's mostly how they've won games this season. They're not too offensively talented, kind of similar to Ole Miss. Um, but you know it was it was it was tough to see that uh, that offensive stagnation from the Rebels again. You have to hope they're gonna you know bounce back this weekend against Mississippi State and maybe find some of those hits they had been seeing the last couple of weeks. But uh, I'll pose that question to you now, John. I know you weren't able to watch too much baseball this weekend, but looking back at the season, looking at how Weathersby performed in his first start against State, um, and to a lesser degree against Mizzou, although I, I don't think you can really count that. Do you think that that we maybe waited too long to put him in that third starter role? It's a fair question. I'm one of those people that tends to believe, though, you really want to have a solid couple guys in the back end of the bullpen because blowing games at the end and blowing saves takes. I think I think that takes a greater toll on a t- uh, toll on a team versus losing, say, eighteen to one like they did on Saturday. That's just one. I mean, sure. With a game like that, you can just say, okay, we just didn't play well today. Yeah, we give move up on the yeah. next day. Right. Versus if you lead, like, say, you're up five two going into the ninth and then blow the game. That really, I feel like when you when you let get away and that, that can carry over and linger. Um, I think the I think really it's almost in a lot of ways the right timing to move Scott to the rotation. Clearly the clearly the idea of waiting on Stokes to settle in and become more consistent was had run run its course. And Sam's been inconsistent, like we said. We think he's, look, we I think like we said we both think he's hurt, so that's mm-hmm. yeah, not doubt. a consistent option. So really, I mean to, to this team, they're. 25 and 24, they need to go 4 and 3 down the stretch here. They have a, I believe it's, is, 
It's uh, it's Arkansas 30, State on the road, yeah, right? Yeah, Arkansas midweek. State next week. Yeah. And then three at home this weekend versus State. Have to win the series. And you know what? They killed State at Trustmark on it was Tuesday night, correct? Yeah. They, they can sweep this series if they play well. And that would really, I mean, keep waiting for this team. They keep... They keep doing the minimum to, st- to hang on and stay alive, and right now they're r- they're headed right towards where if they win the series against State, win the midweek, they would need to take one from A and M the final weekend. They're teetering right there. They could really do themselves a favor against an inferior team in Mississippi State and go out there and take care of take care of business this weekend. I mean, it, it, like I said, at a minimum they have to win the series. Need to find really need to find a way to take two out of three, but they're gonna have to find some offense in order to do that because you can't expect great pitching every night and the sure. fact that jb the fact that jb woodman is laying down a suicide squeeze for an rbi really kind of summarizes where this team's at offensively i mean yeah, it was a tough weekend for jb woodman a lot of strikeouts um he like he was kind of putting it together a couple of weeks ago but he's he's fallen back off a little bit so you know you really want to see some of these guys that we know can hit they got to start doing it you know now or never for this season yeah Definitely. I mean, Colby Bortles has been – he's looked better lately. I didn't – Yeah, Bortles is Bortles is swinging a hot bat right now. Um, he's he's looked really good. Uh, so, I think that'll that'll continue. I think he's solidly the power guy heading into next year. Um, but I, I just think you need more people in that lineup pitting consistently. Errol Robinson needs to get on base more consistently. Uh, Jimmy Woodman, like we talked about, obviously. Golson's cooled off a good bit. Uh, Connor Cloyd is cooling off. So the real problem for Ole Miss is just not being able to string together hits. You know, you, you get a home run here, home run there. Uh, you get lucky and you get two men on and then you hit a single. But they're not manufacturing runs. They're basically depending on other pitchers to put them on in a lot of parts of the lineup. And that's just not going to work against good pitching staffs. No, but like you said, they're, I mean, in games, even when they get seven, eight, nine hits, they don't string them together very effectively. I mean, it really comes down, this team's most effective way to score is Sykes or JB or Bortles hitting a homer essentially, so yep. that's really that's where they're at. The ability to get a big a t- with say a guy on second and two outs, somebody to drive a single in the gap, really has simply not existed for this team all year. So they have a they have a single problem for sure. They can they can find some extra base hits. They can hit the home runs. Uh, just not enough singles. That uh, I bet I don't I don't have the stat, but I bet their average with running in, with runners in scoring position has got to be minimum bottom three in the league, and I would I would yeah, suspect it's, not, it's the worst in the league. It's not I mean good. they they do not they do this team and timely hitting do not go well together. So that's I think they were bottom of the league in batting average for a long time. I don't know if they still are. I know they've raised the batting average by about twenty points in the last two weeks. Yep. Uh, although that was before the performance at Mizzou, so I'm not so sure after that. But, uh, yeah, the hits continue to be a concern. They did have a lot of singles against State at Trustmark. But, man, State looked bad. And, you know, the thing about State is they're not as bad as they looked in Trustmark Park. I know that because they just beat LSU, and they took them to extras two of the three games. So I'm a little bit more worried about weekend Mississippi State, um, how much that weekend pitching changes the whole mentality and makes them a better team. I haven't watched them too much this season, but uh, I just know that the guys that were thrown against Ole Miss uh, on Tuesday in the midweek were giving them no problems, but I think that's going to be a little different this weekend in Oxford. Yeah, although, I mean, I guess they played LSU close. LSU's a good team, but State, LSU that may have hit. been... LSU can hit a lot better than Ole Miss can. Yeah, that that may be, have been State's like last 
Right. I mean, they were Last they were in Starkville. I think they, they probably don't travel as well as they do play at home. And yeah, because I mean, they're eight and sixteen overall in the league right now. If they had say won that series against LSU, because they, they they took a game right, so if they had won that yeah, series. They went to extras nine, twice and won the be third be game. Be nine and be nine and fifteen. You go win the series in Oxford. I don't I don't know who they have the at the end of the year. They, 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 they get, could have a, they get Tennessee maybe. I think it's the battle for. For Hoover, no Hoover. Yeah. Not, well, the point positive. is with Ole Miss and Tennessee on the re- schedule, you could win four or five conference games there. So that they yeah. could, they could even s- try to sneak their way to to well. I mean, to try to get to an at large, but all oh, their RPI is ninety fifth. So that's not really. A, they have to make Hoover and then win Hoover to make. The they would have to win Hoover one. with their RPI. Um, yeah, they they finish the season in Knoxville. So that's, I mean, that's interesting. Talk about two teams that have something to play for, even though that something is a little depressing. Uh, two teams battling to not be the bottom two in the SEC. So, yeah, you know, their season isn't over. Um, they could still make it to Hoover, but Ole Miss hopes to kind of slam that door in Oxford this weekend. Series starts on Thursday, uh, and then you got you got a night game Thursday and Friday, and the game on Saturday is at 4, I believe, on the SEC Network. So that's going to be good, John. You have the SEC standings up. Who who is the the bottom right now? Looking at being left out of Hoover. The bottom is Tennessee at seven and seventeen, and then uh, they are right now. It'd be Tennessee and Georgia. Tennessee at seven and seventeen. Georgia at seven and sixteen, and then State and Alabama are half a game ahead of Georgia at eight and sixteen. I guess so. Georgia's had a game rained out. Yeah. That that half game could go. It could work for them or work against them, depending on how things unfold down the stretch. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah, the weather's be pissed this weekend. We got it that had some Orvis home runs. Man, I gotta tell you, Mizzou is not a real SEC school, and I, I'm I'm never going to accept them as an SEC school. Like that baseball stadium just looked like a dump. We didn't even get um, a center field camera angle until game three. I mean, the first two games, I felt like I was watching the the UCF broadcast earlier in the season, which is basically a webcam that they would swivel around by hand. It was just not not conducive to uh, to me enjoying watching the games, especially considering that Ole Miss was getting beaten pretty badly in that second game. And then uh, I had to listen to the Mizzou announcers because I don't know I, I I don't know what the difference is on SC Network Plus. Like sometimes sometimes it's a totally different level of broadcast, and I have a hunch that each school only has like one set of equipment that can do the good broadcast because I know. During a midweek game for Ole Miss, uh, one time they didn't have replays because the SEC Network Plus equipment was set up at the softball stadium. So my guess is that Mizzou, who's really good at softball, had all their stuff set up for softball the first two days. Uh, so we had to listen to like their Homer radio announcer and watch a webcam broadcast, basically. So that was pretty terrible. Um, I, I sent an angry tweet to the SEC Network, and apparently they saw it because on Sunday it was all fixed. So... Still, I'm I'm never I'm never accepting Mizzou as a true SEC school. I'm sorry, you're just not. You just don't fit. Yeah, I mean they, the, the, I mean they're competitive football. I've won the East the past two years. All granted, it's the East. it's more it's more of just an example of Georgia under Mark Rick not being able to win the way they should be able to with their resources. Well, didn't Georgia as Georgia whooped them last year too? Didn't they? Yeah, but Georgia, Georgia, I don't know how they lost. That's that what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, year. like, it's that not was, that Georgia's that's inexplicable. It's not that Georgia's worse than Mizzou. It's that Mark Richt can't beat Steve Sperrier, among yeah. among other things. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I mean, 
I think Pickle's a good coach, and they have a decent football program, but just as a whole, I feel like they don't fit into the conference. And A&M, I feel like, fits better just because they're, they're so into themselves and so obsessed with Texas A&M. That's kind of SEC-like, you know? Yeah. But for well, some Mizzou, reason, Mizzou, Mizzou, when they do it, I just don't, I don't, I don't buy it. Yeah, well, Mizzou is really a basketball school, <laughs> but yet, but they're they're dealing. That's what they, with the that's what they say, right but yeah, right now, well, they, they got an arena. I mean, they they're really kind of a like they're probably the number two like the invested basketball school behind Kentucky in the conference. If you really think about it, I mean, Tennessee cares, but Tennessee footballs. I mean, big orange, big orange. So yeah, I think I agree. Their their baseball program's never been that a big priority, and they they really don't fit that fit well in the SEC. They've they've had a few successful seasons over the past decade, but I agree from an attitude and the way the. Where the school and the fans look at that program, it's, a, it's, it's tiny. That that stadium is not yeah. very big at all. There was a season break record crowd on Saturday, I think, uh, a couple yeah. thousand maybe. But yeah, you know, not every SEC school even has the fan support that Mississippi State and Ole Miss have. So I, yeah. I you know, we're kind of slanted in our our view of that. Um, you know, coming from Swayze with eight thousand, nine thousand seats to a stadium like that, it just feels. It just feels like they're not taking it as seriously as you, and it's like, no, forget you guys. But uh, so yeah, that that was baseball this week. As we said, we got Mississippi State, Arkansas State, and Texas A and M left on the schedule. John, what is our magic number? Uh, four and three in the last seven, essentially. Otherwise, you have to win win multiple. Otherwise, you have right? to win three games in Hoover. Four and three in the last seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. Because it was. Six it was five. six of eleven, and after you beat State, it became five split, of ten. They split the week, yeah, right. So it's, yeah, it's four, four and three over the last seven. So okay, so yeah, four, they got to win four of the of the next seven here. You, man, that Arkansas State game that could really like if if you drop that, that's the season. And what a terrible like for an SEC school season to hinge on a midweek game at Arkansas State. That's not the best. But, uh, you know, we can't really entertain that possibility until it happens, right? Nope. I mean, it, it's gonna, they're going to be a game of the way on this. They're going to – feels like they either finish 500 or they finish two games over, and it's going to be – they're going to be right there. So this will be yeah interesting to watch down the stretch yeah. for sure. No doubt about it. Well, yeah, we'll be watching, guys. We know you will be too. Um, I'm actually going to be in Oxford this weekend, taking some baseball, meet up with some old friends. Uh, my birthday is coming up on Friday, so I'm excited about that. Um, you know, I always have my birthday during finals week, so happy to not be in school anymore and uh, not have to take finals anymore or anything like that. Although I always kind of liked it. Finals week is kind of fun. It's like you you have to go you go to class less than a normal week. Uh, if the schedule works out, a lot of times you get to do nothing until 4 p.m. every day. I liked it, man. Uh, it was it was fun to have everything here in finals week. But, yeah, we will have stories for you from that. Hopefully, hopefully lots of Ole Miss victories over our in-state rivals. I think Ole Miss is 11-6 and six maybe in all sports against Mississippi State uh, in the last year. Haven't lost in a men's sport since that game two in Starkville. Um, so if, if they were to win these three baseball games, although I think a sweep is probably unlikely two or three is a success this weekend, but if Ole Miss was to, to sweep them, that would, uh, 
continue that streak of men's sports victories all the way until the Egg Bowl. So that would be funny. We would all enjoy that. Although, John, it doesn't really matter because you know Mississippi State finished ahead of Ole Miss in the SEC rankings. So it doesn't it doesn't really matter if you beat them head-to-head. That's irrelevant. You can ask any uh, message board poster uh, for Mississippi State. They'll tell you that. But uh, let's take a quick break, guys. When we get back, we're going to talk about everything that happened this weekend. So many different storylines. We're just going to be all over the place. Have some draft talks, some derby talks, some fight talks. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Get your game on. Get your, get your game on. Get your game on. Get your, get Welcome to Mississippi 511. You guys ready for the game? MDOT Traffic says it's all clear. Well, let's go. Check MDOT Traffic before every game on the website, the smartphone app, or just dial 511. Wait a minute, have you got the tickets? This is Dr. Stephen Cochise, and I want to talk to you about performance rehab. When you're injured playing sports or on the job, your goals should be quicker recovery times and better performance. Standard physical therapy can get you to your goal, but performance rehab goes one step further. How? Many doctors like myself are discovering the enormous benefits of aquatic therapy. All four locations of performance rehab offer the Aquagator underwater treadmill system, the most advanced state-of-the-art aquatic therapy program in the state of Mississippi. As a physician, I think you deserve the best, don't you? So when your doctor suggests physical therapy, tell them you want performance rehab. Visit their locations in Ridgeland, Byram, Richland, or the Reservoir, or call 601-899-0002 for an appointment. Workman's Comp is accepted. Performance Rehab, the way physical therapy was meant to be. What does it mean to be healthy, to reach new heights, to find joy in the adventure? Now's the time to know you have a partner on your journey. The compassion of a cross, the security of a shield that opens doors to a healthier life, giving you the strength to live. Like anything is possible. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's good to be blue. Woohoo! I say, sports fans. Ole Miss fans, you wouldn't want the team playing with outdated equipment. We don't want you to use an outdated app. Our new app has more features, more content, and an easier interface to keep you connected to your team. Go to the iTunes Store now and download the latest version of Rebel Sports Radio. Rebel Sports Radio has done the work. You prepare to play. All right, guys, we're back. Um, So Ole Miss did not have a very large presence this year's NFL draft. Uh, Quarterback, Sinquez Golson, All-American, former MLB draftee, can also now call himself an NFL draftee. He went a little bit ahead of projections, perhaps. A lot of people said he was a third-round pick. Uh, he went 56th overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, you got to be happy with that uh, if you're Sinquez or Ole Miss fan. I mean, for a, what, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, cornerback to go in the second round, that's about as good as you could have hoped for, really, right? Yeah, most people had him around with around the neighborhood of a third-rounder, and he came out ahead. He got drafted by the Steelers, which is a – the historical franchise in the NFL, known for being prideful in their defense. I believe Dick LeBeau just retired. I was trying to look up and see who their uh, 
who their his, his replacement was. But regardless, the Steel, you think you hear Steelers, you think defensive football. So Sinquez being able to put on the black and gold is certainly a compliment. Also, it's good for him to watch this watch a watch it come full circle because out of high school, I believe he had a over a million dollar offer from the Red Sox to go play outfield for him. Chose to come to Ole Miss, and for, from a financial standpoint, he's actually come out ahead with that decision. So. Worked out well. I mean, all yeah. every draft analyst was very hot. Was very high on him. Uh, Mel, Mel Kiper, I believe, was a huge fan of the pig. Proclaimed him to be pound for pound as good as any football player in the draft. Which you look at Sinquez. I mean, other than being five nine or five eight and a half, whatever his actual measure, I think he's probably five nine in cleats. Then that's the only thing holding him back. I mean, his his ball his skills ball, are yes, off the just, charts. Terrific. His understanding of the defense and being able to anticipate it are certainly exceptional. I mean, he has wide receiver uh, pass catching ability, which yeah, is he really can, he can cover. He's got good coverage skills. Um, John, this is interesting though. I was just scrolling through this first round here on NFL.com. Yep. Only two picks taken in the first round, and they were late in the first round, twenty nine and thirty, were under six feet tall. And that's um, a wide receiver that was 5'10 and a free safety that was 5'11. Everyone else taken in the first round was at least six foot. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's general. I mean, that's, that sounds about right either. I mean, the only people under six feet really expect to be a dynamic slot receiver sure. or, a, or, a, or a safety that's 5'11 and a quarter. I mean, it's essentially, it'll be six foot out there on the field with shoes on. So Right. I think there was an pro- article today, actually, on SB Nation about uh, how wide receivers under six foot to just switch the defense because you're not going to make it to the NFL at wide receiver anymore if you're not at least six feet tall. Yeah, and a lot of corners do not have good pass-catching ability. Essentially, they end up at corner because they can't catch the football. If, you, right. if you're a corner of the catch, you can – we've seen where you can get paid big money to be a corner. Look at the contract Darrell Revis got. You sure. look at um, Cromart. I know the Jets paid two corners. Um, what, what money Richard Sherman's making out in Seattle. I mean, it yeah. is a premium position with the way the – NFL is such a pass-happy league right now. I mean, you need offensive linemen to protect your quarterback. Obviously, you need a quarterback, and then you need pass catchers. So, that's really right. the league's so, Yes, like I said, Sinquez was the only Ole Miss player actually drafted, but there were a lot of others. They got some free agency deals. Um, Cody Pruitt is going to Tennessee. Uh, Bo Wallace to Kansas City. Let's see, Javon, or, uh, sorry, LeVon Hooks to Green Bay, I believe. Uh, Brian Bennett. I'm blanking on where he signed. Uh, Cowboys. Okay, he's a, and then was there maybe one more that I'm forgetting, or is that uh, everybody? I think Carlos Thompson. Yeah, that's right. The Texans, I believe. That's right. I think, that's um, everybody. I think DT said his him and his agent are still looking for a mini camp to be invited to. Uh, looking generally, two quarterbacks go early: Jameis and Mariota. I I liked the draft, at least the first two rounds for the Titans a lot. I mean, they basically got two first round talents. Uh, in Marcus Mariota in the actual first-round pick, and then Dorian Green-Beckham fell to the second round because, you know, some character questions, that kind of thing. But he's a dynamic receiver. You kind of add a lot to your offense just in the first two rounds there. I thought, I thought that was a pretty good day for them. Um, I, I like Green-Beckham. I think he it, if he pans out, he's like a, he's a legit number one receiver. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Mariota. I'd be curious to know exactly what, the Eagles were offering the Titans to go and trade for that pick. I mean, if they, I mean, the rumor was two first rounders in Sam Bradford, which I don't know why they wouldn't make that trade because, I mean, I think Mariota can play in the league, but he needs two years to develop, and the Titans need so many position players. I would have. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was kind of a weird pick too. Um, 
I I don't know. Tons of potential, and you, you got to think he's going to work out. Um, I feel like there's less question marks around Mariota than around Winston, although Winston obviously has a, a higher ceiling just from the pure physical standpoint and some of the intangibles a little bit. Uh, but off the field is a, a big issue with him. Um, let's see. How'd your team do, John? Would you like the picks? Uh, Cowboys took an athletic corner, Byron Jones, who I don't really know much about. Apparently, he's an he's an athletic secondary player. Seems like he was fairly well received pick from what I've read. So, I uh, I'm, I'm good with that. I really like the Randy Gregory pick pick in the second round. Gives him a pass rush presence. A guy that was projected in the top ten in many mock drafts until recent off the field concerns, but. A Cowboy fan, we can put him on the Des Bryant babysitter program that's been established and worked. And Cowboys are in win now mode with Romo being, I believe, 35 now. I mean, they basically yeah. have another couple years. Um, no Hardy, I guess, is, first of all, them signing Greg Hardy, big fan of. Obviously, Hardy's off the field issues have been documented. Um, mm-hmm. and he, he's, he's, he's got a, a, a 10 game suspension as a result of that. The Cowboys structured the contract where basically he's only he's only getting paid for the games he's eligible he's uh eligible for so essentially they're paying him i believe probably about four million dollars to play six games i forget so they they, they've come out well financially from that deal if um can almost kind of work out if the cowboys can hang around there then if hardy i would assume hardy would be motivated and in shape that's the key with somebody being suspended for that long is they're going to be distracted but yeah. Hardy's want to get want to get the suspension out of the way, go out there, um, prove he can still play, and then go get a big contract over the offseason. So he's kind of a really and also the thing about him not playing the first ten or eleven weeks, I forget where the Cowboys buy is, but he can't get hurt during the first ten games, which with the way NFL the NFL is in injuries these days, that's kind of as sad as it is to think of it that way, it's, it is something you have to consider. So mm-hmm. in a way, the, the way to look at it from a if, Cowboy fan perspective is oh he's a you know he, you just stash him away till what till a stretch run and hopefully a playoff appearance although Cowboys have a tough schedule we'll see how that goes I guess we'll do an NFL preview at some point sure I mean we'll in have, August I would imagine we'll have tons to talk about over the summer actually yeah. I'd said that wrong we'll have nothing to talk about over the summer so we will talk about everything um, <laughs> looking through let's find some more SEC players here Marty Cooper uh, went four to the Raiders. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Mar- 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 that's, for his yeah, career. That's, it's over. that's tough. That's that's a tough one. You see the pictures of him, uh, how sad he looked when he was with the management. That was terrible. Watch him do nothing for three years, get traded, and then just blow up somewhere. You I gotta mean, think that's what's gonna happen. I mean, ah, I mean, who else has Eric Carr even had to throw to though? I mean, I, he's yeah. gonna get, he's gonna get targeted. I just don't know. I feel like Cooper's so. Cooper is good enough for I think he actually can like be a change agent for that organization. Yeah, see, this is a, this is an argument we had earlier in the podcast, uh, earlier in our run about whether Cooper is as elite as he was made to look last season, or whether he had the benefit of uh, Kiffin's scheme on his side. But I, I do think he's going to be a really good player, and he was really good in college. So it'll be interesting to see if he can actually make any noise uh, in Oakland on that that terrible non-team. Gurley is the next SEC pick at 10 to the Rams. Pretty high for a running back now. Good for him after the ACL injury. Yeah. My, I mean, he would have he would have easily been a top 10 pick if that 
He didn't tear. Blow he still him. was. He still ended up in number. I'll two. tell you, the Rams. If Foles can give them solid quarterback play, the Rams, even though they're in, well, the 49ers are falling apart. Um, yeah, the Rams. The, could, the Rams could be good. Yeah, with could uh, be good. they play. Their is front. Gurley going to be ready to go 100 percent this season? No, uh, second half season. But they got Trey. Trey Mason's now been yeah. in the league year, and he's yeah. he, over the job. I mean, Gurley and Trey Mason is a pretty good one-two combination at running back. Did you see Zach Stacy? I think on Twitter when they picked Gurley, yeah. he was like, "Uh, what?" or something. I, was, I yeah, forgot what I he said. Jets traded for him or something. Here he already has a new home. So. Pretty funny. Um, yeah. let's keep moving down here. Um, Melvin Gordon, number fifteen, two running backs in the first round. What do you say, John? We'll talk about Landon Collins here in a minute. Yeah, Melvin, yeah. Yeah, two running backs in the first round, especially in the top half of the first round, is really interesting. Gordon's a good, really good player. He is I was, good. Kind of, I was wanting the Cowboys to pick somebody up second round. I wanted them to draft TJ Yeldon, but I believe yeah. I didn't know you were a Jaguars fan until. Yeah, you know, my uh, my Jags picked up Yeldon, so I'm happy about that. See, the, the thing about being a Jaguars fan is that you, you don't really want to watch the games. So it's, it's more of like. A, like a state of mind than an actual hobby, like being a fan of other NFL teams where you like you watch every week. You know, it's like, yeah, no, I'm a Jags fan. You know, no, I didn't watch. No, I, it's better this way. Uh, but I have a lot of family there. I've been to some games. I have some some gear and stuff. I like the colors. I like the stadium. Ever, Everbank's pretty fun. Uh, pretty cool place. They got those funny pools that people can get in with all their clothes on and stuff, which is hilarious. Uh, Jacksonville's a great town, man. I I, I have fun when I go there. Um, nice weather. So yeah, the Jaguars had a good draft. I thought I was, I wanted them to take Amari Cooper with that third pick, where they got Dante Fowler, who is um pretty pretty great he, player he, on the defensive side. He's gonna be a, he's gonna play in the league for ten years. Fowler's terrific. I mean, yeah. he, so that pick that pick's fine. And like you said, T.J. Yeldon, I thought was a great second round pick for them. Um, I think he's gonna have a long career too. Um, looking down the list a little bit more, Cedric uh, Agabui from Texas A&M went 21st to the Bengals. I was surprised he went that high. I mean, he's got talent, but he's I mean, he has he's had a name, though. He's been talked about for the last two years in the SEC. I, that feels like an overhyped player to me. Perhaps, perhaps, yeah. Um, I, I think he plays in the league, but, he, I mean, I'm surprised he went in the first round. Steelers in the first round picked another SEC defensive player, Bud Dupree from Kentucky at linebacker. He's really, really good. Yeah. Made, made a lot of plays on a not-so-good team over the course of his career. Yeah, so him, him and Sinquez will be teammates. Shane Ray from Missouri went to the Broncos in the first round. Uh, a lot of Florida picks in this draft. DJ Humphreys. Which uh, makes you wonder about Will Muschamp had that much NFL talent as team. I know he had a quarterback disaster. He, he but, can't coach offense. I mean, he, he just he just can't. Yeah, I guess he's the Rex Ryan of college football. Essentially, great defensive coach, but no concept of how to manage an offense. And didn't even have to uh, coach an offense. He just has to manage the coordinator. And couldn't even do that. I'm interested. I, I'm looking forward to watching Auburn's defense next year because they I, they they didn't add too much really besides Muschamp. I mean. You have Brian oh, Cowart. Right, which, that's huge. That's a big difference. You have Brian Cowart coming in, but Elijah Daniels out at the defensive end now. Um, yeah, right. With some uh, some theft charges there, so secondary so bad. They can't. Exactly. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Muschamp can do just on his own, really, to change that defense in one year. Um, you know, because that's one of their big question marks on a team that has just unlimited potential in the SEC. Uh, another thing, kind of in that same vein of wasted potential, perhaps 
is Lyle Collins, who was a, a first-round draft pick at offensive tackle by all accounts, um, not picked up by anybody after he's being investigated in a murder investigation, apparently, in Baton Rouge. Yeah, he's not a not a suspect. Just being, just uh, they wanted to question him. But don't was, you think? Don't you think that these NFL GMs, the money they have, if he really had nothing to worry about, that they wouldn't have? Someone wouldn't have taken a risk on it. Do you think it's just pure PR? To it's me, PR. They've they've had such an atrocious year between the whole Ray Rice so. and Greg Hardy. I mean, they, and they they've been. I mean. I bet Goodell. I mean, Goodell's taking such a beating. I mean, he's taking a beating for all the owners who really haven't got any flack. I bet. I bet the. I bet kind of the payback for that from Goodell, the owners, is like, look, guys, we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna take any mess, deal with any messy situations right now. I just, so don't, I don't, I just don't know, man. Like, to, I call me cynical. I just think that someone would have at least signed him to a free agency at this point. Oh, I would have. Well, about. the rumor is is that he wouldn't sign with anybody below if he got drafted. Right. Like, third round but i don't he's gonna he he's not gonna be able to re-enter the 16 draft i seriously doubt that happens so he'll he'll sign with a free agents it sounds like from what i can tell the kids never had a history of anything it might hopefully it's just well uh you hope justice is served but like i don't sure. it doesn't it doesn't sound like he my gut says he just happens to be tied to it but it didn't didn't do anything so we'll We'll see. I mean, if so, I, I mean, if he comes out of this, if he not gets out, related, clean, whoever signs him yeah. as an undrafted free agent is just that, that's the best. Well, transaction also, of the just whole draft. worst timing ever for him. I mean, just exactly. what a what a terrible thing to happen if he is in fact not if involved he's in that at all. Cleared of this, then this is yeah, it's atrocious. Yeah. Thing. But he'll he'll be able to sign as an undrafted free agent, and I would think. Yeah, I don't know how the contract situation would work with somebody under because he because typically the rookie contract is four years guarantee with a fifth option. Well, he wouldn't. I don't even think. I wonder if I, I guess that same structure is in place for undrafted free agents. But point is, if he only signs like a one or a two year deal as an undrafted free agent, he could then actually he could. I don't know if he'd be eligible to get a get a you know a a max deal. Well, they don't have max deals in the NFL. The equivalent of that, like get a big time contract sooner as a result of that. Maybe it's right. a I don't know if there's a way it could actually work out in favor, but regardless, I, yeah. I mean, I, for, for what, like I said, this is pure speculation. My, my gut says he's just the victim of a really unfortunate set of circumstances, and he's essentially gone. The Giants would have taken him ninth overall or ninth or tenth, whichever. Yeah, they were ninth overall. They, he would have been a New York Giant if they if this hadn't happened. So yeah. that's that's a tough break. Tough break for him. We'll see what happens with that story. Um, moving on down. Next SEC pick was the first pick of the second round, as you mentioned earlier. The Giants traded up to take our favorite Alabama safety, Landon Collins. Uh, what do you think, John? Good pick. Well, hey, I mean, if you're in a, as a Cowboy fan, I think it's great. <laughs> I mean, I watched all. I mean, I watched Vince Sanders and Ingram and Jalen Walton run by him each just in the last eight minutes of the fourth quarter this past year. So I'm I mean, all. Yeah, if, I watched Bo Wallace deke him pretty hard with his eyes there on that Vince Sanders throw over the middle. So. I mean, I think if Bo Wallace can expose you, you might have trouble in the NFL. Maybe that's just me. He, if he can play downhill like a Cam Chancellor type role, then he's yeah, he'll be fine. But that I don't, you can't hide poor coverage skills in the NFL. It's the same reason that and that and the shoulder injury. The two reasons Cody Pruitt went undrafted. I mean, from a but Landon a Collins has a much tackle. better 
PR yeah, absolutely life than Cody Pruitt. Cody Pruitt's more of the the blue collar reputation. You know, his reputation has been questionable coverage skills for the past maybe nine months or a year. Obviously, after yeah. last season, he was a little bit overhyped, but that really balanced out for whatever reason his senior year. I'm not yeah. sure why. I don't really know how you account for it besides the fact that Landon Collins plays for Nick Saban in Alabama and Cody Pruitt was recruited by Houston Nutt you know, and plays at Ole Miss. I don't really know why else such a big discrepancy in how they're perceived coverage-wise. Well, Cody Pruitt, if if Ole Miss had had a fully functional roster his four years at, there, he would have been an outside linebacker, and he would have redshirted. Uh, he would have he would have bulked up to two thirty five and been a terrific outside linebacker. Right. And I guess, but I guess teams that I've heard are concerned that may be a tough transition. I would, I mean, it wouldn't shock me one bit if the Titans developed kept him on the practice squad or like special teams player developed him as a linebacker and he became a really solid dependable NFL player that would not surprise me one bit so he's gonna have to work his way up through the system and whatnot yeah no doubt um I guess wrapping this up I guess the last couple SEC players worth talking about would be Jalen Collins second round of the Falcons he's always been an athletic freak but I've never actually his actual football ability yeah I skills have been susceptible I'd rather have Sinquez instead of Jalen Collins so if I'm the Steelers I'm feeling better than the Falcons I think I know. Well, uh, yeah, you know LSU has that uh, reputation, the DB University or whatever. They've yeah, they do have that rep. So does Alabama. So we're kind of getting two legacy status picks here between Lane and Collins sure. and Jalen. Uh, good, so. good year for uh, Mississippi State. Definitely in the draft had maybe five players drafted. I think ten or eleven signed with teams overall. Uh, their highest was Preston Smith at uh, thirty-eight overall. Um, man, he really came out of nowhere, huh? Like, you, no one yep. really knew his name before his senior year, huh? That's uh, yeah. that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he really did have a good senior year. I tell you, that all those guys kind of – I mean, Chris Jones' name didn't get thrown around very much this past year. You saw other guys on the D-line step up for him. I guess Lenardra McKinney going 43rd overall to the Texans. Yeah. He'll be a good middle – he's a good inside linebacker. His coverage – Coverage a little bit susceptible. Ole Miss fans watched Evan Ingram run by him he's, a couple times in the Egg Bowl. Huge, yeah. I mean, like, how are you supposed to cover somebody when you're that size? Yeah, he. It, it's a matter of just using him the right way in whichever scheme he ends up in. But he yeah. he certainly can be an effective NFL player. So, like you said, it was a good year for State in the draft. It'd be interesting to see if, how, if they can parlay that going forward with recruiting classes and Mullins. Mullins of he, he Mullen has put players in the NFL. He didn't have that. He didn't have a big time top top ten overall pick like. Ole Miss may potentially have three of them next year. I mean, Maybe, we'll, yeah. So let's, you want to move into that now? Let's talk a little yeah, bit we'll about, touch obviously, on for Ole Miss yeah. fans, um, this year is not much to talk about compared to the possibilities next year. Looking at, you know, I, I everyone's saying right now four first-round picks, four first-round picks. I I don't think that's going to happen, but I don't think it has to happen. Like I, I think Tony Conner can fall to the second round. Um, some other people can fall to the later rounds. It's not really that big of a deal. I just think there's going to be a lot of people overall from Ole Miss drafted next year, maybe as many as six or seven. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think Laramie, Laquan, and Robert are all – They're all easily top ten. I mean, if, if Laramie half, and Laquan Laramie come back full three. strength, yeah, they're Laquan, they're gone. Laquan and Robert are top half of the draft, potentially as high as top five if things everything works out I well. I think Robert could end up going the highest, honestly, just because he has the reputation. He was the number one recruit. He's kind of Jadavian Clowney-esque. 
sheets this year, though. He doesn't show up on stat sheets. He's always been the guy you turn on film and you go, holy cow, but this guy dominates. He doesn't show up on stat sheets. He just shows up on All-American teams at the end of the year. Like, I, I just think that even yeah, though – Yeah, but you say – what, what, what play reminds me of Robert – you say Robert Kimdichie. What's the first play I think of this from this past year? The missed sack against yeah. Nick on the Auburn game. They win the game if he makes that play. Laquan I've, never, I've never been able to rewatch that game because it was Laquan so traumatic. Laquan doesn't break his. Okay, this is probably this is yeah, totally that's dark. That's dark. Laquan Jeff. does not break his ankle if Robert Kimdichie makes that sack. I'm I don't sorry. know. I don't know if we can go if we can go into that level but, of time travel and changing <laughs> timelines. But regardless, anyway, yeah. no, he does. He has to get better at finishing. This is something. Um, Robert has is he has speaks behind him to keep him motivated. So he he has a legitimate potential NFL player behind him to push him. And then DJ Jones next to him, Brian Bennett. Absolutely, yeah, and Breland, yeah. He's Robert's not going to get triple teamed as frequently this year. So that and he he should be motivated to show out. He knows this year's his payday year. I I, I really think Robert and then Laramie and Laquan coming off injury are going to want to show they're healthy. So. Your stars are going to be motivated to perform on the field this year, which we'll we'll have all summer to talk about this. But the more I think about it, especially with all the NFL talent potential on this roster, we'll get into the rest of it here in a minute. But this is a huge year for Hugh Freeze. There's no more excuses. They're gonna they had the number one defense last year. They have what I, they have is good, or I think a better roster, top to bottom on the defensive side of the ball this year. Oh yeah, and no have, doubt about that. I mean, have, you, you didn't lose anybody really. The best receiver core in the nation, assuming Laquan's back healthy, which I think he will be. He's already running around and whatnot. You have a more talented thrower at quarterback. Okay, so I think I think for the argument about the most talented wide receiver core in the nation, I think Ole Miss needs to get more consistent production from the guys that looked good at times last year, but also were completely covered up, not open at all. And that's the Cody Coors, the Quincy Adebojos, the Markel Pax. Obviously, Markel was a freshman last year. But when Laquan Treble is double teamed, those are the guys that are going to have to make Laquan Treble like plays if Ole Miss really wants to say they're uh, the, the best wide receiver got, core. He's going to take care of that. Absolutely. He, Stringfell's, he well, he's got to be consistent. Play, but it yeah. Because really he's... He's going to be a free. Say, he, I mean, say Ingram, another injury so. happens. We Evan Ingram exactly. If someone important gets injured again, which is, I mean, it's likely. This is football. Yeah. We need to have stars step up and be stars, and that's not what happened last year after Laquan got injured. So I'll be interested to see those guys. Um, you know, could you see? I mean, I, it's it's someone like coming out of high school, for instance. Quincy Adebojo was probably projected as a potential NFL guy down the road. I'm not sure if he still is, but he, he's six three. He's he's, fast. A, he's a speed guy in college, at least. I mean, we'll see. The point is, finish my point. What I was going to say earlier. Point is, the, the biggest weak weaknesses question marks on this team are the running game, the offensive line, quarterback, and uh, can can the quarterback who has more talent this year can they coach him up? Basically, it's the offense. Hugh Freeze is an offensive coach, prideful guy. I would imagine it's all it's on him to figure out a way. How do I get make this make this team, which has plenty of talent on the offensive side of the ball, function well from an offensive standpoint? If he can do if he can do what he is his bread and butter bread and butter, which is run up tempo and score points, they have a shot to win a national title. I mean, it's really. It's not like he's a great offensive coach with a great offense that doesn't have a defense. It's this is his. His wheelhouse is, is supposed to be offense, 
getting yeah. yards. Yeah, scoring no, points. no doubt about that. It's point blank. I mean, this is it's on him, and I mean, he he got the contract as well, so it's not like yeah, he, he got he got paid. We can't forget he got that. Yeah, it's time to it's time to earn that salary. Essentially, so, yeah, this year is is really important for Hugh Freeze, not just for the draftees. I think he needs to. It's important for Ole Miss to look like it's not regressing this year, especially with the level of talent that's going to be leaving after next year, how hyped that 2013 recruiting class was. I think for Hugh Freeze to continue improving his reputation as a coach on the rise, he can't give uh, his opponents the ammunition of going 8-4 and four these guys last season. You know, Whatever happens, blame it on the O-line, blame it on the quarterback. It's not their fault. Still, the narrative becomes, oh, well, maybe he can recruit, but he can't develop. And maybe he can recruit, but he can't coach. And I yeah. think that even if that's not the truth of the reality, perception is is reality, you know. And if that's the the narrative that gets spread around, that's going to hurt recruiting and that's going to hurt – well, I mean, just, yeah, especially recruiting. That's what really matters. I mean, we think Q Freeze is a good coach, obviously, but I will be interested to see. I mean, after three years, I'm ready to see that high-powered, up-tempo offense – that he was kind of sold to the fan base on when he came in. So definitely a big year for Hugh Freeze, swing year. Um, yeah. Looking for a big line, NFL presence now after next year. Go ahead. Bottom line, he needs to, he has to win ten games this year. If he wins ten games, even if they don't get to Atlanta, which would obviously be annoying. But let's say they win ten games, they go that they'll most likely be in an Access Bowl again, back to back Access Bowls. He's going to go watch three to five players, I guess the other guys, potentially Evan Ingram, potentially right. Tony Connor. If, if I'll even a throw a season. wild card of T. Shepard out sure, there. Sure, that's a, that's a potential one. He, and, and you're going, he hadn't even played yet. Well, he was ahead of Sinquez on depth chart clearly last fall, according to every coach, and Sinquez just went in the second round. So well, if T. We T. Shepard's 6-1. That's first-round corner size. So, anyway, we'll and, see and how Ole that Miss, Ole Miss is going to create – Turnovers. You have to. I think they created thirty-two or something last mm-hmm. season. I mean, that defensive front is going to force quarterbacks to throw up some bad passes for someone like a T. Shepard or a Tony Bridges. All you gotta do is catch them. That's what Sinquez did. I mean, Sinquez is a good coverage corner, but the reason he was an All-American, the reason he was picked in the second round, is because he had those nine picks, and he had those because he could catch balls in the air. Like a lot of those picks, some of them were crazy athletic plays, like picking off O.J. Howard, but a lot of them. We're just not choking. A lot of intelligence behind a lot of those picks, along with a lot of right. skill. Sure. Point is being, if you watch all those guys get drafted, and then Shea Patterson coming in, because everybody, every every recruit for sixteen knows how good he is. If they say, "Oh, he's going to go play for the team that just went ten and two, eleven and one, let's say, put all those guys in the league," you you know that 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 would take old and. Shea's going to win big at Ole Miss. It may take a year or two to get the roster fully reloaded from the talent pool they have with this 2013 class, or at least the top-end talent. But that it would essentially allow Ole Miss to go from well, are they trying? Are they you know from the rising program category to the to they they have made it category? Right, essentially, they're 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 it put it do what it'd do for them what going to Omaha did for the baseball program. Like obviously it's a down <laughs> right, 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 right. But regardless, they they now have like reached that right. Stat. But we still think we still think that Mike Bianco has pretty much punched his ticket as a legacy Ole Miss coach. You know, someone correct, that's, yeah, correct. And, and that's what Hugh Freeze could do if he won big this year and put that class in the NFL solidly, and they went on to have long careers. Nope. It's a foundation. When at Ole Miss, there is Ole Miss is winning, and they have a pipeline of guys coming in, and 
they're there. It would completely, it would, it would permanently, it, it would more or less permanently change the way Ole Miss is looked at. At least for the next 10 years. Um, as long as he's there. As long as yeah. he and be working there. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously we'll have a lot of time to talk about football before the season starts. Um, it's going to be a huge season like we were just mentioning. Uh, a few other things we'll run through real quick before we head to our last segment that happened this weekend. Um, Mayweather fought Pacquiao, super hyped fight. I don't know if you watched it, John. We ordered it at my house, had people over. A lot of fun. Um, but by the third or fourth round, you kind of knew what was going to It was like, okay, this makes sense. Um, Pacquiao's throwing a lot of punches, but he's not landing them. Um, Mayweather's just doing his thing, playing defense, and really never really looked like he was in a tough spot. Mayweather kind of just controlled the pace, um, shook off the punches, landed a few when he had to, looked confident in control, uh, won by decision. Did you get to watch the fight? I did not. I'll be honest. I I never got really that excited for it because it really happened five years too late. No doubt I saw about a fair that. amount no of people complaining about how it was kind of a bust from a hype standpoint. I don't know. I mean, it probably was a decent fight, but not like a I – mean, I don't know how it was going to make reach the hype, which I – I mean – what everybody think was going to happen. I mean, these two yeah. guys, basically this is Floyd Mayweather's last, basically hurrah as a fighter. He, he retires undefeated. He's one of the best defensive fighters of all time. Pacquiao, if Pacquiao was still been undefeated back in his prime, say four or five years ago, this yeah, would have been, been wildly huge, entertaining, yeah. but whatever they can they made a lot of money. They cashed out. I don't know if you saw the, somebody tweeted a picture of the part of the private jet parking section of the, um, Las Vegas no. airport. I mean, they literally had planes like, parked within inches of each other it was just ridiculously packed so it was it, i was pretty shocked at how much actual like tangible hype that the event produced and obviously i mean it was 100 bucks on pay-per-view i mean yeah and people bought it so yeah, we bought it, it was, yeah they they got straight paid i think um Mayweather made at least 180 million. Pacquiao at least 120 million. So I mean, yep. they're laughing all the way to the bank. They don't care if people complain about the yep. fight being unwatchable, or whatever. But it was, it was still fun. It was a big story. But like you said, mostly overhyped and five years too late. Um, another big story this weekend in sports was the Kentucky Derby. Uh, very exciting. 90 seconds. I I picked a long shot, uh, and then I picked a, a front runner too to hedge on. So. Materiality was my long shot. I had high hopes. Uh, unfortunately, they were not realized. Um, but I did pick American Pharaoh correctly as my hedge, so I didn't lose anything on materiality. But fun race overall. Did you get to watch that, John? Actually, I missed the Derby as well. I was, was in and out of pocket. Really competitive. A lot like um, I, 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 I heard that. I heard the field was really good right, this year. Right. So it sounds like from everybody, like the the post-race analysis and whatnot that Pharaoh is a legit one of the better horses that's been in the past 10 or 15 years but the problem is the field's so good this year that now everybody that didn't win the Derby will skip the Preakness and then just save right. themselves for the Belmont so Pharaoh likely go win the Belmont like we've, I mean not the, excuse me, the Preakness here in a couple right. weeks and then go to the Belmont and then have a, a fresher horse right. you know be the favorite but who knows it'd be, it'd be really cool I mean I'd, I'd love to see a triple crown winner I definitely would no, he looks the watch. He, he looks the part. Basically, when you see American Pharaoh next to another horse, like um, the same trainer, for instance, trained Dortmund, who got third. Uh, it looks like an Alabama defensive lineman next to like a Bowling Green defensive lineman, maybe something like that. Like it just Pharaoh just is like twice as thick. He's got like a, a beautiful brown coat. He's all he's all toned and sweaty. 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I like his chances in the Preakness for sure. Everything that I've heard uh, kind of hints at the fact that people do, like you're saying, hold out for Belmont, um, which is kind of bullshit, obviously, because we all want to see a triple crown. But that's okay. That's why it's so hard. That's why when we finally do see one, it's going to be so much more exciting. So maybe we'll see one this year for American Pharaoh. Um, he's got Espinosa riding him, so a uh, pretty experienced jockey. Fun race, some other stuff in sports this weekend. Uh, Spurs knocked out of the NBA playoffs in the first round by a, a really good Clippers team. Um, that game seven was fun. Watched a good bit of that before the fight. I actually got the Spurs plus three before that game, and I was pumped about that because you know anytime the Spurs aren't favored in the playoffs, you got to take those points. Um, and they actually did lose, but they lost by two, so I won that bet, and I was pumped about that. Um, are you, were you surprised, though, John? I was pretty surprised to see Popovich go out this early. I'll tell you, it, I mean, it was a little surprising. The Clippers have really they, – they really have taken a step this year and played better. Chris Paul and Blake Griffin are two elite talents. Doc Rivers is an excellent coach. I mean, Doc Rivers is as good as can, – can, can make the coaching matchup against Popovich even. He, I mean, really, I'd say Rivers, Popovich, and Phil Jackson are probably the three – best i've seen over my probably my past 10 years watching nba basketball i've watched i'd probably put rick carlisle maps coach as a maps fan in the in the in the bracket right below him and carlisle can go head to head against those guys and hold his own for sure but those mm-hmm. three i mean the point is doc Rivers. probably none of this i had an advantage over doc rivers and the coach from the coaching side of things and it was just a matter of chris paul played a played one hell of a game seven after uh, spraining his hamstring although what was it what's well, even as great of a game as that was, really, I thought the coolest part was the sportsmanship afterwards. You saw those teams clearly appreciate, you know, respected each other. That did not look or feel like a first round matchup. That had that had uh, really it felt like a conference final. Honestly, watching those teams go out there yeah, and go they, at it, they like both that. could have made it to the to the Eastern Conference. Easily, I mean, those yeah. are could easily be the. I don't know. The Warriors probably the the favorite in the yeah. West, but. Uh, you, you and you know as good as the Clippers are, you know the Warriors are happy to see the Spurs out. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. No, so the, the Spurs are more dangerous than Clippers, I'd say. And the Warriors get, the a, Warriors. get they get a Grizzly team without Mike Conley. They're going to win that series about five games, and then they will. Let's see, it's Houston and the Clippers. So, I think the Rockets probably take a. I mean, it's really shaping up for Golden State to be able to to cruise in, yeah, kind of cruise in, and then they'll play either. Let's see the cat, probably the Cavs. I would think because it looks like the Wizards took Game One against the Hawks. I yeah. almost wonder if the Wizards are going to. I kinda... think they might. The Wizards look better than Atlanta in that game. Yeah, I think they that... struggled down. They struggled down the stretch, but they have a roster so that's really good. And like, I mean, at playoff times, somebody like Paul Pierce is going to step up and lead that team and make it through. Right. An Eastern Conference isn't that good, but that I mean, the the Cavs without Kevin Love. I mean. With the Spurs gone and Kevin Love, the Kevin Love injury, I feel like the NBA playoffs have gone from a really very wide open, very wide open in a lot of ways to now it's like a, it's more of a okay. It looks like the the Warriors have a pretty favorite, not a not an easy path any stretch, but their path to a championship has gotten easier. I would say, yeah, so that'll be interesting to follow. Yeah, well, guys. That was a little bit of the stuff that went on in the broader sports world this weekend. Um, we're going to move into our final segment here in one second. But first, I got to talk about our favorite sponsor. We love them. We talk about them all the time, not just on the show. I talk about DraftKings.com in my everyday life constantly. This is my favorite subject, probably. 
So I'm excited that they've come on with a partner with Vsporto and Herbal Sports Radio. You might be familiar with them, you might not be, but basically if you like fantasy sports, football, basketball, baseball, golf, etc., etc., they have a one-day league for you. Get in for as little as $1 a day, no season-long commitments, you change your rosters up, you're not stuck with the same players. If somebody's sucking it up that you thought was going to be great this season, don't worry, you didn't draft them for the whole season. Um, it, it's not like traditional fantasy leagues. Give it a shot. DraftKings.com, enter our promo code VSPORTO, letter V, SPORT, the letter O, all one word. Get 100% match deposit up to $600. This year, DraftKings is giving out over a billion dollars in prizes. So come on, start playing the day and start winning the day. That's that's our motto here uh, at Atlantic After Dark and Herbal Sports Radio. So um, stick with us through one more short break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about some NASCAR. Woo! Get your game on. Get your game on. Get your game on. Welcome to Mississippi 511. You guys ready for the game? MDOT Traffic says it's all clear. Well, let's go. Check MDOT Traffic before every game on the website, the smartphone app, or just dial 511. Wait a minute. You got the tickets? This is Dr. Stephen Cochise, and I want to talk to you about performance rehab. When you're injured playing sports or on the job, your goals should be quicker recovery times and better performance. Standard physical therapy can get you to your goal, but performance rehab goes one step further. How? Many doctors like myself are discovering the enormous benefits of aquatic therapy. All four locations of performance rehab offer the Aquagator underwater treadmill system, the most advanced state-of-the-art aquatic therapy program in the state of Mississippi. As a physician, I think you deserve the best, don't you? So when your doctor suggests physical therapy, tell them you want performance rehab. Visit their locations in Ridgeland, Byram, Richland, or the Reservoir, or call 601-899-0002 for an appointment. Workman's Comp is accepted. Performance Rehab, the way physical therapy was meant to be. What does it mean to be healthy, to reach new heights, to find joy in the adventure? Now's the time to know you have a partner on your journey. The compassion of a cross, the security of a shield that opens doors to a healthier life, giving you the strength to live. Like anything is possible. Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's good to be blue. Woohoo! I say, sports fans. Ole Miss fans, you wouldn't want your team playing with outdated equipment. We don't want you to use an outdated app. Our new app has more features, more content, and an easier interface to keep you connected to your team. Go to the iTunes Store now and download the latest version of Rebel Sports Radio. Rebel Sports Radio has done the work. You prepare to play. All right, John. So this weekend um, was Talladega. Although, correct me, I, I, you know a lot more about this than me. There's there's two races at Talladega every year, right? Yes, there's a spring and a fall event. This okay, is the spring so race. this is the spring race. And uh, our own beloved football coach, Hugh Freeze, who's a big NASCAR fan, um, had the honor of driving the pace car, uh, made some appearances, uh, you know, greeted some fans, stuff like that. So that's exciting. So this is this is really your area, John. I'm just learning recently that uh, you're 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 kind of you have a background in this. So I'm gonna let you take it away here. Um, I don't know. It's all you. 
got so you got I guess you got a golf analysis from me after the Masters. Other my other uh, hobby slash if you want well it depends on if you want to call NASCAR a sport or not. I'll let the let the listener decide that. Other endeavor as a kid was go kart racing. I actually raced out at Spring Ridge Raceway there in a Buddy Butts Park. Jackson, I don't know if you ever gotten. If you go out near Clinton, get off there at Spring Ridge Road, take a mm. left, go south of twenty. We could one days we could go on a historical drive back there. But anyway, yeah, come so, to Jackson, we'll go do go cards. I don't care. Yeah, grew up racing back there. Uh, did it. Dad and I did it together for ten years. Um, we ran a national series that ran east of the Mississippi. The World Karting Association put it on. Ran uh, basically it was four cycle engines on road courses. So I turned right and left. It was highly technical Ooh, as compared yeah, to a dirt oval. That's tough. Anyway, actually, won a uh, national championship in two thousand seven doing wow. doing this. So, Wait, so how fast how fast did those go karts get? Uh, depends on the engine, conf- what engine you're running. I mean, you, our four cycles, the fastest we go would be about eighty miles an hour. Woo. Jacksonville pretty, track, and then some. Fast. If you really want to go fast, you take a Honda one hundred twenty five cc motorcycle engine with a six speed gearbox and put it on a go kart, and you you can hit. I mean, I've probably been a hundred miles an hour in those things before couple times which is when you're sitting about an inch and a half off the ground so let's just say you're yeah. feel like you're moving but anyway <laughs> so and i was i was followed motorsports all types nascar indycar cart back in the day when that was still a thing basically and there used to be two open wheel series and they merged um formula one as well so always been most probably always been a four-wheel guy not really a motorcycle guy. the motorcycle racing is cool i've just never followed as close right but anyway, my, also probably the other tidbit I'll throw in, my dad had tickets to the Bristol Night Race for 20 years, which is, I guess, Talladega is kind of the pinnacle redneck NASCAR event, and then the Bristol Night Race would be right there behind it, just to do you prefer a super speedway or a short track. But Hugh Freeze, as we found out, prefers super speedways. He prefers the speed of Dega. It actually calls his fastest tempo right, Talladega. Right. That was interesting. And I saw a quote where players come up to Freeze like, yeah, coach, I want to run some Dega, which is really funny. That I think... Funny. I think we can now, we should troll from now on when we were complaining about the tempo of the offense, just tell Freeze, take the restrictor plate off. There you go. Run some there you go. But, the, you go. but the kicker is they actually run a restrictor right, plate. Right, that's what I was thinking, right? So, it's restrictor plate racing. So the fa- so, oh, okay. I just This is off the top of my head. The, the kicker is the fastest track on the circuit that, that is actually Atlanta because they run, they do not have restrictor plates. And ironically enough, Atlanta is this place that Ole Miss is trying to get to in football. So... Maybe he, maybe Free should take the restrictor play out and run some Atlanta instead of some Dega. So there's your there's your inside NASCAR joke for the day. Yeah, that it really took that. I don't one think a long you're quite, I, don't, yeah, I don't think you're quite following along with it. But anyway, it's okay. It's so, okay. Somebody's laughing on this podcast right now. But you anyway. you at least are. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um. So yeah. Regardless. Do you want to so, talk yeah. about our question? Or do you want? Yeah. Do you want to keep so yeah. So the my thought after Hugh Freeze drove the pace car was. Who of the SEC coaches, not counting Hugh Freeze, who obviously uh, is cut out for it, who would make the best NASCAR driver? Um, and then I know, Johnny, maybe also want to talk about maybe parallels between coaches and drivers. So I'll let you answer this question first before I try to take a crack at it. I don't. I think Freeze would clearly be the best driver. Uh, Spurrier would be an old vet. He'd be kind of like Sterling Marlin. Can't um, count him out, yeah. Yeah, Mullen would be Joey Logano, an asshole from New England. Uh, Logano won the Daytona 500 this year. He's from Connecticut. He has a funny accent by NASCAR standards. Mullen kind of falls in the same category. Okay. Um, I like that. I like that. I'm trying to come up with – Saban's just too serious. I guess there's probably – maybe he's the Jimmy Johnson. He's, like, polished and does what 
does too well essentially. Oh, I need a. I need who's, a. Fa- who's Who's Jeff Gordon? Who is Jeff Gordon? Freeze is Jeff Gordon, 1994 offseason. Now you're asking, what the heck does that mean? Gordon <laughs> was first of four titles um, in the 1995. Gotcha. So Freeze has got a lot of talent. He's got a talented team and roster, but he hasn't won a title yet. So maybe this is when he actually puts it all together and comes through. He's, but he's up and okay. coming, and he's okay. got talent. So Freeze is early Gordon. We'll give him that. Freeze is also a Gordon fan before Stenhouse jumped on board with the whole thing. So anyway, I right. think Gary Pinkle would be a good NASCAR driver, actually. I can you like, see you that. like that? Okay. So what? Mark is definitely Mark Martin. Too nice. Um, good guy. Everybody likes him, but is too nice, so he can't, can't win. win. Yeah. That. Uh, ooh, Butch Jones is somebody. He's a guy everybody hates. He was everybody hate. Who whines and moans? He's Brad Keselowski. Wait, so who's, uh, who's Junior? Ooh, that's a good question. Who's everybody like? Um, it's Miles Jr. Because maybe. Junior, everybody likes him, but Junior's never won a title. He's won a couple of days, 100-500, so he's like one, you know, I guess that that's a big deal. Um, Les Miles has won one title. I, I guess Les Miles is Junior, actually. Most people like him. Yeah, Junior also can't develop quarterbacks. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> If LSU, God, if they had a quarterback, they'd win ten games in the middle of every year. It's just it's mind blowing. Yeah, but who wants to play quarterback in that system? We're getting off though. Let's do do some more. Do some more. Uh, some so I'm the coaches. One for Malzahn. Sublin or Malzahn. Yeah. Dude, God, are there any nerdy? Are there any nerdy, super technical NASCAR drivers? That'd be Malzahn. It would be Malzahn. Maybe he's a road now. He. I'm trying to think of who's really fake. Honestly, that's what I'm <laughs> really coming up with. Well, that could, Carl, be, that could be most coaches. Carl Edwards is more. I could see Pinkle being Carl Edwards. I, I, this is this is bothering me. I can't come up with a good comparison. Yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to sit down and write all this out and just do do a thing for the website or something because clearly you want to get this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't even. I'm not even gonna attempt it because we've already said every NASCAR driver name that I know. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, um, that's something to think about. That's fun. Gus Malzahn is Michael Waltrip. He okay. well no that's not a good one. This is <laughs> this is annoying, man. I'll, I'll come up if I come up one, I'll tweet it. Okay, okay, there we go. Look for that. You follow John on Twitter. John, why don't you plug your Twitter account? I feel like we never plug our own Twitter accounts. People should follow you. You should tweet more. You need to get that's more active. It's good for the show. It's at John Stefansic. It's uh it's on it's linked with the show. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll get it out there. Just follow uh, the Sharks AFTR Dark. Dark. Yeah, you follow the show. Um, follow Riversports Radio, obviously. You can follow me at C. Justin Sanders. Um, I've got an Ole Miss football preview that I did with uh, Bandit Ref of the Vsporto Network. Um, he's on Bama Sports Radio. We did an Ole Miss preview. That should be coming out on Urban Sports Radio soon. Um, I do a little bit on a Game of Thrones podcast, also with Bandit, called Wiki Wiki Westeros. You can listen to that. Uh, it's on Lightly Buzz, the SI Network. Um, the fan, It's a fan-sided site, excuse me. That's the SI Network. Um, you can visit our website, landtracksafterdark.com, subscribe on iTunes. Uh, it's mostly it, though. That's pretty much all the places you can find us. Um, if you ever want to do a podcast or come on our podcast or anything else, email us, landtracksafterdark at gmail.com. Um, I actually never t- – let me check that right now. I don't think anyone ever emails us, though. Yeah, I've never opened it. <laughs> you got anything else? You got anything else you want to add? Well, this week, actually, John? the co-host thing is not a bad plug. I will be I guess, waiting on getting waiting on a visa to get approved. I plan on being in London for most of the summer, actually. Right, part right. of my research project nice. here. So 
we might do a few pods where I connect from London. Yeah, but also we'll, we'll have you on occasionally. We'll, but yeah. we'll bring we'll bring people on. I mean, I guess as people have figured out, you're the, you do you're the you're the host of this show, and then I kind of come on. Still, I mean, people, I just, I, I, you're the John. John's my expert, and I'm more of the moderator. That's how that's how this works here. John's yeah. telling me everything I know about Ole Miss sports and a lot of sports in general. So. Your expertise is invaluable to the show, John. Don't sell yourself short. But if you want to host an episode with me, if you have something uh, to get off your chest about Ole Miss or SEC sports, sports in general, um, love to have you on and chat. Uh, I'll probably try to do a couple more interviews over the summer. we got a few more friends uh, that have some insights, some good stories that never come on before. So we'll try to set that up. Um, that's going to do it for us this week, guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate it every week. Um, hopefully we can keep up the entertainment through the summer as we kind of all live sports roll mist dry up uh, here in, in the next few weeks. But we'll try to get creative and have some more fun topics for y'all. We'll keep working on our, our comedy chops and our, our general takes like that. But um, that's going to do it. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Hotty toddy, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.